ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. The Drive. Brought to you by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Local then, local now. Member FDIC. Our phone lines this hour brought to you by White Claw at 877-420-TALK. That is 877-420-8255. Welcome into the Wednesday, September 15th edition. Your drive begins now on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. We're also opening up the text line this hour at 304-523-2275. That is 304-523-2275. Let me go ahead and fire that thing up right now. Let's get the text line going. Get your thoughts on everything that is happening this week. We've got Marshall soccer coming up tomorrow. The women are in action. Conference play begins against Western Kentucky. And then on Friday, it's going to be Marshall taking on West Virginia. The Mountaineers coming in number four in the latest poll. The Thundering Herd number six. So a lot of back and forth going on between those two programs and their fan bases. Should be exciting. You got the two best teams in the state of West Virginia, two top 10 teams. You've got a Marshall team that's the national champion. However, West Virginia last season beating the Thundering Herd. So Marshall would like to get that taste out of its mouth and some revenge. And then you got a West Virginia team probably with a big chip on its shoulder because not invited to the NCAA tournament. The MAC big hose job last year or last season from the MAC for West Virginia soccer. So you got two programs that are probably going to be uh, definitely ready to go. So I'm, I'm excited for it. That's coming up on Friday. And, of course, we have a whole host of high school football as well. So Friday is going to be really busy before we get into the game on Saturday. Uh, coming up this hour, we're going to hear from Coach Huff, get his thoughts on what ECU presents as far as uh, what you can expect on the football field with them. In a few minutes, we're going to hear from the golf coach of the Marshall men's program, Matt Grobe, the Thundering Herd, won the 51st Joe Fagan's Marshall Invitational. First time that the Herd's won that uh, since 1977. It's been a while since they've won the Invitational. So Matt's going to join us here in the next few minutes. We'll talk to him about that, get his thoughts. I do want to get your phone calls in again at 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. And I'm firing up the text machine. It's up and running now. At 304-523-2275. So where, oh, where will the Thundering Herd be in a few years? Will it be the American? Will it be the AAC? Will it be the Sun Belt? Or will it be Conference USA? And Marshall's left behind wondering what could have been. I think Marshall's moving. I just don't know yet what the end game is going to be here. Either Marshall is going to be a target for the Sun Belt to try to maybe shore up or reconstitute a little bit, or Marshall is going to be a target for the American, which in some conversations, that's a possibility. And others, maybe not so much. There's some teams out there that are looking to get out of Conference USA, get out of the current situation. UTSA, for an example, UTSA definitely wants out of Conference USA because if UTSA is left in a devastated and depleted Conference USA, uh, that's going to hamper that program's growth. I know North Texas wants out. Southern Miss, once upon a time, Southern Miss was the – flag waver of Conference USA. And I always thought that a good Southern Miss football team meant that Conference USA was a lot better. 
put them in a conference where maybe they have some room to improve, some opportunity there, and maybe Southern Miss becomes a, a program, a name once again. And then, of course, you have Marshall, and Marshall has some success. A lot of it comes from the years in the Mid-American Conference. A lot of it comes from the time in the 90s, Division I AA at the time. Marshall has some swagger to it. Is it enough? Because you won those string of conference championships in the 90s. You had opportunity after opportunity to play in bowl games. You won most of them. You lost the last couple. Doc Holliday faltered the last couple of seasons in the bowl games. Uh, You've won Conference USA, the East Division, a couple of times. So you have that, but you've only won the Conference USA Championship one time. I'm not talking the division. I'm talking just one time. You have been the football conference champion. So can Marshall give what the American is looking for? Is there enough name? Is there enough uh, attractiveness? Will Marshall move the needle on the television side of things? There might be some interesting matchups there. If Marshall's paired up with ECU on a yearly basis, that would be great. Say a couple American teams are newly recruited from Sun Belt, and that includes Appalachian State. You got a rivalry there. And of course, I like some of the matchups that maybe are possible in the Sun Belt, Appalachian State, if that school doesn't get picked up. I like Georgia Southern as well. And of course, uh, I think UAB, you got to take UAB if you're going to try to reconstitute your league a little bit. I think UAB would be a good get for the American. And there's some other schools that have maybe some financial attractiveness, maybe some geography that's attractive as well. There's a lot of potential there. It just You don't know what the criteria will be with the chancellors. I mean, Marshall's a higher-level research institute now, so maybe that would attract some interest there. You know, the academics are getting better. You know, again, with that status as a, a research institute, that improves uh, your at least your profile a little bit more. So if you're forward thinking and you're looking for, okay, what institutions fit, does Marshall fit more within the leftovers of the American? Does Marshall fit more within the context of the Sun Belt? Will the Sun Belt be aggressive and try to maybe overtake the American? We don't know. Nobody has a clue right now what's going to happen this next round. And the only thing that I can be certain of is that if Marshall's not being aggressive, which I think Marshall behind the scenes is looking at opportunities and exploring possibilities, if Marshall's not being aggressive, that's going to leave a bad taste in the fan base's you know, collective thoughts because you don't want to end up in a depleted Conference USA, which would possibly have to restock from the FCS level. And that's not a bad thing. It's just you're going to be in the lowest ranked, probably lowest rated group of five conference. You don't want to be in that situation. You don't want to be in a situation where the league isn't affording you opportunities. Now, in other sports, this league is great. I mean, soccer is really good. Baseball, there are some some opportunities there in the other sports, but this is all football driven. So where does Marshall end up? 
does Marshall end up anywhere? Uh, is it too little too late? Did Marshall falter along the way? Is the issues of money going to come up? Can Marshall afford it? Will the donors step up? And, of course, you know, if you read the columnist from the Herald-Dispatch, I think he's lobbying for the Sun Belt. Does not like the American. He's lobbying for the Sun Belt. So you know, where are you taking your cues? Where do you want to be? The phone number, 877-420-TALK, and the text line is open now at 304-523-2275. That's 304-523-2275. So does Marshall stay put? Does Marshall get into the AAC? Does Marshall go to the Sun Belt or something else completely different? Who knows? You tell me. Phone lines are open now. When we continue, we're going to talk to Matt Grobe, head coach of the Marshall Men's Golf Program. Thundering Herd won the Joe Fagan's Invitational. We'll talk to Grobe about that, how important it is, and how his team is performing. And later on, we'll hear from Coach Huff what he thinks about ECU. What stands out to him? What do they look like? That's all coming up. And as I mentioned, your phone calls and texts when we continue with today's edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Brought to you by Huntington Federal Savings Bank, the local bank that's here for every step of your life's journey. Member FDIC. We are efforting Matt Grobe as we speak, as we speak, as we speak. We're trying to get Matt Grobe on the program. We'll have him here hopefully in a few minutes. Welcome back to The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Still to come, we're going to hear from Coach Huff. We're going to get his thoughts on the upcoming matchup between Marshall and ECU. Thundering Herd on Saturday, taking on a... Former foe from Conference USA. And, of course, there's a lot of history between Marshall and ECU. So looking forward to that matchup on Saturday. But joining us now on the program, it's been a few weeks at least since we've had him on the show. As I told him yesterday, when you win a prize, you always get to be back on the show. Matt Grobe, the head coach of the Marshall golf team, now joins us on the program. That's the rule. You know that, right? Win something, you get on the show automatically. Well, I'm going to have to tell the guys, we we got to start winning more. You know, that was Jason Corrier rule back in uh, back in the beginning of our uh, our fruitful relationship here, our our, our fantastic uh, partnership. He, every time someone would win a prize, he, um, he immediately would get them on the show. Now, he leaves it up to me now as he is um, – he trusts me with your phone number. So we that's the goal. If somebody wins something, you get on the show. So, yes, you have to you have to tell everyone in the locker room. Uh, I, I will definitely let them know. How you doing, sir? Been a while, and um, congratulations. You you win probably the tournament you want to win the most um, is uh, your very own, the Joe Fagan's Marshall Invitational. What what did it mean to, to win that particular event, your very own, named after Joe Fagan's? You know, we, we've, had, we've had tournament wins since I've been here, but I don't know if I've had one that's been more emotional for me personally and for our guys, I, you know, I, I just, it was such a great feeling, you know, for me, I played for coach Fagans, you know, then I, then I was able when he retired to come in and take the job after him, 
Uh, he still comes in and sees me on a weekly basis, checks in with me, makes sure that we're doing okay. You know, tries to help me with our fundraiser, tries to help me with the team. He's always asking how the guys are doing. Um, he has he has stayed involved for ten years. So to 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 win the tournament at home with his name on it, him be there to present us with the trophy, it was just a really really special day for me, and I think it was a really really special day for our kids. Talk to me about how this crop of kids relate to Joe Fagans, you know, and what does it mean to them? How have they connected with coach? I mean, you're their coach, but yeah, as you mentioned, he comes in, he's still a part of the program. They see his name. I'm sure some of them wonder who is this guy. So how have they connected to coach and how this really probably meant a lot to them since they still had that connection with him, even though he's no longer in charge of the program? Well, you know, I think he's a legend. And when, when, when our kids, you know, when, when you get here and you start to learn about Marshall Golf, you know, Coach Fagans is the one that's most synonymous with, with Marshall Golf. And so the, the kids, and then you've got some local kids. You know, you've got Joseph Glasky, who's from, who's from Charleston. You've got Noah Mullins that played golf at Cabell Midland, whose grandfather uh, knows Coach Fagans really well. You've got, uh, Christian Boyd's grandfather, who they went to, they went to sixth grade. From sixth grade on, they've been good friends. So I've got that connection. But then you've also got the connection of the kids that get into town that maybe didn't know anything about him. And then you start to see all of his accomplishments while he was here. He was a wonderful player when he was here, wonderful coach when he was here. He was in our Hall of Fame. Um, and then he's also around the program. Uh, and all these kids get to know him. They all call him coach. Um, and uh, so I think that all of them have a special connection to him uh, just for all he's done for Marshall Golf to give them the opportunity. Our program, uh, everything they came into uh, has been built by him, and then we're just trying to improve it at, at the best we can. Also, it's been since 1977 since uh, Marshall's hoisted this particular trophy. Um, that had to be a good feeling. It really did. You know, it was it was it was a little bit tough as a coach. Uh, we jumped out the first round and played an incredible round. We were eleven under par after the first round. The kids, we were playing pretty good, and then we just finished incredibly well. Well, right after that round happened, I had no idea it was since nineteen seventy seven. But then everybody starts talking about it as if we've already won the tournament and we're one round into it. We got two rounds to go. And everybody's acting like, hey, you guys are going to win this tournament for the first time in 44 years. So it was a little bit tough to kind of be like, hey, we got 36 holes. Everybody just relax. You know, we, we got a chance, but we got to keep playing good golf. 44 years. You know, just to hear it out loud, that's um, that doesn't mean that you've had some bad teams. It just means this tournament has some really good participants over the years. It has been, and even since I've been here, we've had a couple runner-up finishes um, and just not found a way at the very end. You know, we came down the stretch one year against Ohio State um, and lost out to them. One year, you know, we were in a really good duel with Ohio State and Virginia Tech and uh, finished second in that matchup as well. So we've had some opportunities coming down the stretch. We've had some individuals that had chances to win or won. Alex Weiss won won it when he was here as an individual. Um, so we've had some good success in the tournament. I was kind of shocked, honestly, when I heard that it had been 44 years. Um, 
And then I tried to keep out of everybody's head and make sure that our guys understood that we've got to worry about right now and not worry about, you know, what's going to happen if we win. Join us on the program, head coach of the Marshall Men's Golf Program at Grobe, the Thundering Herd winning the Joe Fagan's Marshall Invitational. And you did it with some really good finishes. Uh, I'm sure Tyler Jones would have loved to have got that top spot, but being tied for second is still pretty good. Yeah, you know, Tyler Tyler has, has played so good for two years, and I know he really wants to get a, a college win. You know, he really Tyler, uh, which most people don't know, uh, Tyler's dad was actually Alex Weiss's coach. So there's kind of a connection there. So, you know, it took Alex a while to win a couple of college events as well. Um, and, and so I know that Tyler really wants to win one. And he's come really close several times. And so coming down the stretch, I think he was all tied with about five holes left to go. Uh, and Tyler Goki, who he was playing with from Wright State, just put together a couple of birdies coming home and played really good golf. So, it wasn't. It didn't have that feel that Tyler had lost. It really felt like the other kid had kind of won the event. The kid ended up winning by four strokes in, in, in the end. So uh, you know, I just felt like he had a chance, and then you know, putts dropped for one and not for the other, and and so hopefully we can get him a win soon. You also had a couple of um, ties um, in the fourth position. You had three finishers in the top five. So Noah Mole. Nolan, yeah, easy for me to say, Coach. Uh, Noah Mullins and uh, redshirt freshman uh, Joseph Kalaski also uh, tying for fourth. So you got to feel pretty good. You didn't get the individual finish at number one, but you had three in the top five, and that's got to make you feel really good. It, it does. And, you know, Joseph, local kid, uh, came here last year, could have played for us last spring, but, you know, with the COVID year, everything got bumped into like a two-month time frame. And, and Joseph just said, look, coach, I, I'd rather have a fifth year than, than just play two, two months of college golf and call it a year. So he redshirted. Um, so I really didn't know what to expect much out of Joseph. He had a really good summer. And then he came back, um, and, and he's played great for us. You know, in qualifying, he played great Eastern Kentucky. He played great this week. And then Noah Mullins is just a special story. You know, this is a kid that went to Cabell Midland. And, uh, you know, graduated from there, probably wasn't good enough at the time. He was could have come to us as a walk-on, but got offered some Division II-type scholarships and decided to go down to Southern Wesleyan. And he came in a couple of years ago and just said, I'm coming back to Marshall if you got room or don't have room. Marshall's my dream school. It's where I've always wanted to go. I'm, I'm coming back. I'm going to finish my degree here. It's where I want to be. I want to be around my family. And so he got, he came back, and uh, we found spot for him on the team, and he has just gotten better and better since he got here. Um, and then he said that uh, his goal when he was a high school player was always to play in the Joe Fagan's Marshall Invitational. And so now not only did he get to do it in his fifth year of school, but he gets to have a team championship. So it was really, really special for him. He was, he was, uh, he was pretty emotional. The team was pretty emotional. It was just a really good day. Back on the road, and of course, uh, how this thing works is yeah, you get the one home invitational, and then you got to go on the road for the rest of the season, which uh, for a lot of these guys, I'm sure that's perfectly fine because uh, next up is going to be the River Run Collegiate. Uh, Davidson is hosting, and I'm sure they're excited for that going into this event now, uh, knowing that they uh, have had really two strong finishes, including a, a top finish in their own tournament. Yes, you know, 
River Run's a wonderful golf course, so I know the kids are, are, are looking forward to getting down there to that. Uh, you know, Then we play Pete Dye a couple weeks after that right here in West Virginia, and I know they love that event. And then we go to the NCR Club in, um, in, uh, in Dayton, and so that's one that, uh, that, that's a great golf course. So we got three great golf courses, and most of these kids have aspirations to maybe try to play on a professional tour someday. And if that's the case, you've got to get good at taking your game on the road. You've got to get good at being able to go to a different golf course with a different grass, different environment, different types of layouts, and take your game and be challenged by those. So I think we've got a really good lineup for the fall left. This should give them a little bit of momentum. They should feel pretty confident. Uh, but now they got to go get to work and start to learn golf courses that some of them have never seen before. I don't know if we've ever really talked about that. What's the challenge there? Because you can't just pull up a a map. You can't pull up a spreadsheet or anything else. You can't look at anything. You can't look at film, or can you? I don't know. You have to actually just get out there and kind of walk it through, play it a little bit, feel it to get an understanding to it. And I'm sure... Yeah, there are yeah courses that have certain tendencies that other courses don't. So you know that, but still, this isn't one where you you go into a film study and you learn the course. You have to actually go out and take direction as you as you walk it and play it. That, that, yeah, I mean we we've got some of the kids will go like on on the computer and you can see the layout. But until you play it, you don't understand, is it uphill, is it downhill, you know, how much does it really dogleg to the right or to the left? How wide is that fairway really? And Google Earth has gotten a little bit better. The kids can kind of zoom in and see the widest parts of the fairway. And so they can do a little bit of pre-work. But once you get there, the practice round might be one of the longest days in college golf because it takes us about six hours. Kids are hitting shots from every direction. They're hitting chip shots from all around the green. I'm placing some holes where I think the hole locations might be so that they can kind of putt to those. So really, you know, on, on Sunday, we're going to have a really long day on Sunday trying to get ready um, so that Monday we have a good feel for a course that, that, that we've had a plan for, you know. And each kid might have a different plan. Some kids you know, may want to hit drivers off some tees, and for other kids it's irons. You just kind of got to figure out what each kid keeps, feels comfortable with off the tee and what's going to give them the best chance to score because there's not a – it's not a cookie cutter like, hey, everybody hits three wood here. Everybody hits driver here. We've got to kind of find a, a mix for all six guys that are down there to make sure that they've got the best chance to put their skills against the golf course and have a good score. How much does previous experience from your you know, years of, of running these courses factor into this, or does it change on a yearly basis? And does um, you know do things happen that? make the course maybe different or I mean, can you depend on some notes from a year ago or from the last time you played? It really helps me a lot because when we go to river run, we've been there probably, I would say eight of my first 10 years here. And so for me, I kind of know what I've got to really be careful of is originally I would kind of say, Hey, we can't hit it here. We can't hit it here. And I felt like I was kind of drawing our attention to things that were bad. And so now when we go through because I've been at River Run for so long, I know where we need to be off the tee to be successful. So, you know, instead of saying, hey, we can't be down the left, I'll just kind of say, hey, this is a hole we want to come in from the right side of the fairway. So you guys need to just make sure if we're in the right, a little bit in the right rough or in the right side of the fairway, 
it's going to give us a great angle and kind of leave them with that thought uh, rather than saying, hey, if you hit it left here, you're dead, because that's just a bad, a bad thought. So luckily, I've seen enough at this golf course. I feel really good about the three courses we're getting ready to play because I've got a lot of experience on these. And so when we get to the holes in the practice round, I'll explain to them what our best chances to make the best score on that hole is. And they'll all take notes, and we've got yardage books, and then we get on the greens, and they'll they'll mark in the book where the hole locations have been in years past and take a look at it and kind of see how the ball breaks on the green when they're putting. And, uh, you know, practice rounds are a lot of fun. They're long days, but I really enjoy them a lot. Kids learn a lot. Competition-wise, I know um, you get to go out and play your own game, but still, um, what's the competition look like in, in this particular tournament? We're going to step up a little bit. This will be this will be a little bit a uh, little bit tougher field. Um, they you, Charlotte plays in this one, and Charlotte you know made it to regionals last year. They're in our conference. They're a really really good team. Um, so you know we, we've got some we've got some teams that I'm really looking forward to seeing how we match up against. There's a couple of teams that that went to regionals last year that'll be in this field. Uh, same thing when we go to Pete Dye. Um, and then the same thing when we go to Dayton. So I am, I'm looking forward to it. Joining us on the program, the head coach of the Marshall men's golf team, Matt Grobe, the Thundering Herd winning the Joe Fagan's Marshall Invitational. Up next, River Run. And then, as you mentioned, you're heading down to uh, Pete Dye. And uh, I know that's a fun course for everyone. And if, if you win River Run, you got to come right back on the show. You know that's the rule now. First place finishes always mean a phone call from me the following day or that very day. It just depends on, you know, where you're at when I call you, right? I, I, I like it. We that that's a good deal, and, and, and we will strive to be on the radio more and more. That's for sure. Okay, uh, we need to we need to start doing a better job of um, of player of the week awards and stuff like that too. It's on me. I'm sorry, you know. I've, yeah, I've been down a few weeks, so um, you know I'm back up now. I'm good. We're we're gonna make that happen a little bit better. So there you go. That's the goal: uh, win something and then be on the radio. I like it. I like it. Well, thank you for having me on this time, Matt. It's always good to uh, find a, a reason to get you back on, and uh, let's hope we can do it some more this year. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Matt Grobe, head coach of the Marshall Men's Golf Team. He knows the rule: you win something, you get on the show. Everybody knows the rule that that's just how it goes you win a prize you get to be on the show um i will evaluate the prize though i mean if you if you put a quarter in one of those uh, crane machines and you win a prize uh, you know no that doesn't qualify but if you win a golf tournament you get to be on the show all right coach huff he's trying to win some prizes ecu the opponent we're going to break it down what he thinks about ecu when we continue with today's edition of the drive on espn 94.1 and am 930 this is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Presented by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Coming up this Saturday, we're going to be on Thunder Street. Thundering Herd is going to get ready for ECU. Kickoff going to be a little bit after 6 o'clock. We'll be there ahead of the game to get you ready for it. What you think of Thunder Street? Seriously, you've had a couple of days now to think about it. What do you like about Thunder Street? The text line is open 304 523 2275. 304 523 2275. Uh, Texter writes This go around a realignment feels like 2004 2005 
round all over again. Marshall is wanted after a conference has been raided. On the surface, the AAC looks like they have the most prestige currently, but what are they going to become long-term? I am hopeful Marshall goes to whatever conference has the best chance of stabilizing and developing into a top-level G5 conference long-term in all sports, not just football. Very well-thought-out text, very thoughtful. You want a conference home that makes sense for all of your sports because you got to think about basketball. You have to think about soccer. You have to. Soccer isn't going to be the ultimate deciding factor here because you could always be an associate member elsewhere if you don't find the right situation for you in a conference. However, you got to think about soccer because soccer is now one of your prestige sports at Marshall. Football is is driving this conversation. Basketball is a little bit behind it. Soccer always going to have a voice in the room on this. It won't be the ultimate deciding factor, but you got to make sure you take care of your soccer program. Again, that's a good text. You can do so as well. Again, the text line, 304-523-2275. Marshall, head football coach Charles Huff, presser yesterday. He had a lot to say. We talked about the thundering herd and what he took away from the NC Central game and what he expects. We now move on to the opponent this week, ECU. This is a good game for Marshall to play. This is an American opponent. ECU is also a program that has a nice history with you. It was a history born out of tragedy, but Marshall and ECU are two programs that respect each other, like to get after each other, but at the end of the day, the ECU and Marshall fans enjoy the relationships that have been formed because of the tragedy of the plane crash. And so if there's a proponent for Marshall to join the American, it might be ECU because ECU would get a regional opponent back. It would get a trip. It wouldn't be that hard of a a travel itinerary for them to put together to come to Huntington. And of course, same for Marshall. So it's a good program. It's a test for the Thundering Herd. This is the most challenging team yet on the schedule. And Coach Huff was asked what stands out about ECU. And he really was asked, especially on their defensive side of the ball. They're they're, they're good. Um, They're they're really good. Um, This will be the best team that we've played thus far in the season the best overall team. Uh, When you put on the film, there's nobody hiding. There's no, oh, well, here's a weakness, or, oh, here's a size advantage, or, oh, you know, they have a good system, but we have a size advantage. There's none of that. I mean, this is a real football team. Um, And that's not a knock to anybody we've played, but we've been in a position where we've had some advantages. This game is going to create a lot of challenges for us, Um, you know, very different from the challenges we've had before. Obviously, the first game of the year, the challenge was the scheme. Um, the second game of the year, the challenge was installing a new defense. Um, this, this game is going to be a challenge because they're a good football team. Um, defensively, they're fast, they're physical, they're aggressive. Um, they got a lot of returners returning. Um, they got some veterans in the back end. You know, the safety uh, forward does a really good job for them. He's a veteran. He's played a lot of football. You can tell in, in, in his performance that he's a veteran. 
Um, these guys run to the ball. I mean, they run to the ball. They strike. They do a phenomenal job of getting the ball out. We've really overemphasized um, that they really put an emphasis on getting the ball out, whether that's attacking the ball in the air for interceptions or ripping the ball out from the runner. Obviously, we, we've got an issue with that that we got to continue to talk about and get corrected. Um, but something that's an issue for us is a positive for them. So we got to be aware of it. Probably um, the, the best that I've seen all year as far as getting the ball out or trying to get the ball out with a purpose. Um, obviously, um, I don't think their record is very um, indicative of their team. Um, they're 0-2, but when you turn on the film, it's not an 0-2 football program. Um, so our guys are aware of the challenge. Um, with that, you know, we, we got to make sure that it comes back to us. You know, it doesn't matter who we play. We got to prepare really well. And then we got to go execute on Saturday. I think, you know, having them here at the Joan is going to help. You know, hopefully the crowd can really uh, make it really difficult for them to hear. You know, hopefully we can, you know, get a couple penalties because they can't hear the snap count. Uh, which will really give us an advantage. So we're, we're excited about the challenge, but we fully understand what, what we're walking into. So I don't think he's saying the other two teams were terrible. I think he's just saying, hey, ECU is a lot better. Now, in talking to the players earlier this week, we're getting the sense that when you look at them, you look at ECU, you see that their defense is similar to the Herds. Coach Huff is talking about that as well, and he's pointing that out. And uh, here's his breakdown on what he sees in comparison to the Thundering Herd. Um, they're, they're similar. We talked to the team, um, you know, yesterday about that. They're, they're, they got a lot of returning returners. Marshall has a lot of returners. Um, they're aggressive. They pressure a lot. Marshall's aggressive. They pressure a lot. Um, they're big. They're physical. Um, Cassidy, welcome. A little late, but we're okay. Um, you know, they're big. They're physical. Um, they, they, they attack. And they go after the ball. And, and that's, you know, that's a little bit like us. When we pointed out some things that, you know, they do just like us, um, we pointed out some things that we've done in camp to prepare them for playing this type of defense. Um, but they're, they're, they're good. It's, it's no, I mean, there's no doubt about it. You know, I, and in the other couple games, I felt we had some advantages from a personnel standpoint in certain areas. Um, this game is probably going to be about even. Um, every game is going to come down to execution. But when, when you have some personnel advantages, you, 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 you may get away with putting the ball on the ground. You may get away with jumping off sides. You may get away with a pre-snap penalty. Well, when the bar is even, those are the things that end up biting you. You know, I talk about it all the time. It catches up to you when it catches up to you. But that's when those things catch up to you. So we've been kind of trying to emphasize that over and over and over. And, and hopefully we can work through that this week and be ready to go on Saturday. First of all, I didn't mean to keep that little call out to Cassidy Wood from Channel 13 in there. He called her out, having fun with her. She showed up late. I didn't mean that. And now I'm rubbing it in even further by pointing it out. So, sorry, Cassidy. I really, I really am. On the other side, uh, this is going to be a, a team that will challenge the herd a lot more on defense than we saw with NC Central and with – Navy, and that's going to accentuate the fact that Marshall's got to take care of the ball a lot better. Now, evaluating what ECU looks like on offense, it all starts with quarterback Holton Ayers, and this is what Coach Huff had to say about him. You can see he's a veteran. You know, he doesn't get rattled. I mean, those guys have played two phenomenal opponents, with, you know, App State and um, South Carolina, and, and those guys have done a – I mean, you could see him in the game. He's got poise. 
Um, whether he made a good pass, threw a touchdown, or got sacked, um, he came right back with the same demeanor. Um, he's a tough kid. You know, he had a long run there, and he got tackled and popped up. He's right back in there. I think, you know, you can see his veteran leadership. Um, you can see his decision-making, you know, has some veteran, you know, tendencies to it. He knows when to step up. He knows when to run. When he does run, he's still keeping his eyes downfield. He's not like the high school quarterback. As soon as he takes off, he tucks the ball, and everybody knows he's running. Um, I think he's got good leadership skills because I, it looks like the guys play around him. Um, obviously, I don't know. I'm not in the locker room. But, you know, it looks like they kind of, you know, rally around him um, on that last drive going down against South Carolina. You know, some guys made some plays for him. So um, it, it's going to be a challenge for our defense. You know, this will be the best offense we played. This will be the best defense we played and the best special teams opponents that we've played all year. I think he's talking them up. ECU coming in, best offense, defense, and special teams units that the Herds faced I don't think he's setting up anyone for a loss, but he's just saying, look, it steps up and level now with ECU. And finally, from his evaluation of the opponent, Coach Huff was asked about the history of Marshall and ECU. Now, he's a first-year coach, so he's had to do the crash course of learning about Marshall, understanding the significant uh, significance of certain opponents, what the fans – respond to what the fans expect and if you ask a longtime thundering herd fan the significance of marshall and ecu that person's going to tell you about the plane crash and everything that has come since maybe the time in conference usa coach huff i get a feeling from his response that he understands the history he acknowledges the history he respects the history but I like how he responded to how the team is going to address the history of Marshall and ECU. Yeah, um, the, the one thing about Marshall is, is you don't have to remind these guys about the history and tradition. Uh, they, they, they are very aware. Um, probably one of the, out of all the places I've been, our current players have a better understanding of the overall history of this place, probably better than I've ever, where anywhere I've been which is a good thing. Um, so no, you, you don't have to talk about, um, you know, the significance. They, they fully understand it. Um, will we recognize it in, you know, in, in our, you know, our ceremonial or type deals? Absolutely. Um, but at the end of the day, the best way that we can honor those young thundering herds is go out and have a really good week of preparation. Come out on Saturday and execute really well and play with a focus and intensity that ECU can't match for 60 minutes. That's the best way to honor those guys. Um, and, and that's not a, by any means, I hope anybody doesn't take that as a, you know, me kind of pushing it off to the side. But um, if you want to honor somebody, you honor them through your actions. Um, and, and that's what we have an opportunity to do. And, and we'll be prepared to do that. I like it. He's keeping everything consistent. But at the same time, he understands the significance. But they're focusing on winning the game as a way to honor the the history of Marshall, especially with ECU being a part of that. When we continue, we've got more from the text line, and we will wrap it up when we continue with today's edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930, presented by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. We're wrapping up today's edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. 
You know why I like the tax machine? It's because when I go along with uh, different segments, uh, I can still get all your comments in and quickly, too. All right. Texter writes, Thunder Street brought what looked like around 30% more people to the lot area. Game day is becoming an event for more than just those who love football. That has to help ticket sales go herd. So, like the atmosphere, I mean, you had the tunnel, and I'm sure that was fun for a lot of people to walk under the tunnel. You had the DJ on stage, and then you had a couple of guys talking about the football game for an hour. Um, Me, Woody Woodrum, you know. I mean, that's an event in itself right there. And then you had the uh, musical act. By the way, Matt House is going to be on stage this Saturday local band, uh, Randy Johnson, who is uh, one of our DJs. I think these are guys that play music on on radio, DJs. Um, Randy Johnson is going to be on stage. And let me tell you right now, I'm excited. Uh, we got some great local bands that are going to be performing just to keep the energy going. And yeah, I like what they're doing. They're actually showing what's happening on the stage, on the video screen. So if you go into the stadium early, you can see what's happening as well. Uh, I I don't know how the mix between band, I'm talking Marching Thunder, band and DJ will work in stadium. I don't know what the proper ratio is there because I have, one for one, and I will admit this, I have been hard on the band over the years on this program. I have been very hard on the band. And they have gotten better. They have gotten better. And that's all I would ever ask is that the band get better to the point now where I think I want to hear more of the band than you know commercial advertisements and everything like that. And of course I understand you gotta make your money, but you know, I just want a rocking atmosphere. There's got to be a way to do it where you get your commercial advertisements in, you know, you serve that purpose. The same time you got the DJ, maybe, you know, work on the playlist a little bit, give the band an opportunity because, you know, those kids, again, and I've been rough on them over the years, but they're working hard. And so you want to give them an opportunity to perform. All right, there you have it. Back tomorrow, doing it all over again on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. WRBC Huntington, W231BS Huntington, broadcasting from the Oscars Breakfast Burgers and Brew Studios. This is ESPN 94.1 and AM 930.